he'll achieve these goals the same way he always has, by bringing us together and reminding us how much we share and how alike we really are. You see, Barack doesn't care where you're from or what your background is or what party, if any, you belong to. See, that's just not how he sees the world. He knows that thread that connects us, our belief in America's promise, our commitment to our children's future. He knows that that thread is strong enough to hold us together as one nation, even when we disagree. Welcome to Achieve Great Things. This is episode 16. This is your host, RJ from Hadaway. We appreciate you all listening. This week we have a conversation with data scientist Sarah Jane Turp, who shares some of her insights from both working on data for, for a long working with data for a long time, but also working um, on politics and, and international issues. Um, we talk a little bit about money and politics, about creating constructive dialogue, and the importance of being honest. So it's a, it's a good conversation. We hope you enjoy it. As we're getting into summer vacations and 4th of July, we're going to take about a two-week um, break, put another one up um, the week of, of July 10th. So look out for a new episode that week. Um, in the meantime, we'd really encourage you to go back and check out some previous episodes. Early on, we had conversations with Jim Williams from Public Policy Polling. Mike Breen from the Truman Center and the Truman National Security Project, Anna Greenberg of Greenberg Quinlan Rosner, um, Susan Markham from Smash Strategies, Sean Gibbons from the Communications Network, um, a two-part conversation with Brad Jenkins from Funny or Die, which was which was really fun, and more recently we talked with um, Lene Hatalski of Third Way. So those are just a few of the the episodes. We have 15 um, previous episodes. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking us out. But um, for those of you who've been listening for a while, go back, check them out. I think they're, they're all still really relevant. As we're reflecting back on these first 16 episodes, we really hope that you all are um, taking, taking constructive um, insights and ideas away from this podcast, and we hope that you're able to put them to use in your own work. The only way we know if, if you are indeed benefiting from this is if you let us know. So shoot us an email at podcast at hadaway.com or get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook. Let us know what you think. Send us suggestions, ideas and thoughts always really more than happy to get those so we'll see you back here the week of july 10th and in the meantime we hope you enjoy this conversation with sarah jane turp have a great week so i'm here with sarah jane turp who um, is a data scientist and who has um who has done a lot of kind of different different kinds of projects that we're going to get into some of them touch on communications and politics and, and other topics but um sarah jane thanks for joining oh thank you can you just give give the audience a little bit about your background and, and how you ended up um where you are today <laughs> I, I have always had lots of side projects so i have for the last six months had a side project of working on a gubernatorial campaign for a progressive candidate bill brennan in new jersey okay um I had to drop a bunch of side projects to do that. But my, my day job is as a data scientist. and I'm a data scientist in a, a credit agency. So I spend my days working on financial data. And as a hobby, I spend my evenings working on other types of data. Uh, I got into this. Just a friend of a friend called me. 
um, and just said, you've got two minutes to decide whether you want to get involved in something. Do you want in on this call or not? And I went, yes, because I'm always curious and ended up on an American political campaign. You're, you can hear from the accent that I'm not from around here. Um, <laughs> yes. But the reason I got called in was because I've been working um, on data from countries around the world for years. I, I was a crisis mapper, um, which is one of the people that sets up teams and gets information during disasters. Um, but we also worked on disasters, we worked on election violence, so this touches on elections again, we worked on conflicts, so there was a lot of that. There is an environment, there are people's beliefs, um, and people are expressing themselves through social media. How do we map that and make sense of that? How, how do we alert that things are happening? So yeah, I was used to running virtual teams, I was used to handling uncertain political data, so I guess it made sense. Uh, so I, I got dragged in to help with the, the data sets. Uh, being a progressive candidate, it, it seems to mean that you're the person with the least money in the room. Um, That's usually how it goes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. Um, sometimes so the person, there are exceptions, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there have been. Um, there have been a couple in, in, in Jersey recently where there's been a lot of money involved. Um, this, this gubernatorial campaign that was quite staggering amounts. Um, for instance, you don't get into the, the official debates um, if you don't raise $430,000, which so if you're a progressive on progressive platforms, which are slightly controversial, gets, gets to be difficult. The problem with that is if you don't get in the official debates, you don't get the news coverage, you don't get into the New York Times list of candidates, you mm -hmm. don't get that, that visibility. You know, given that this is the first time that you've, you've worked on, on a, an election in the, in the U.S., um, just kind of what you've learned over the past, you know, year, I guess, from the 2016 election, but also the, the primary election that you just worked on. And, and I'm, I'm sure that you're thinking about that from a sort of data scientist's point of view. Actually, a lot of my background, I, am, I say I'm a data scientist, but my original background was artificial intelligence and looking at belief systems, so both human and machine belief systems. So I see a lot of the world in terms of robotics and AI. And what I started seeing were things that were very classic to me. So looking at the national elections, um, what I was seeing was these separations into types of belief. You had people who were very black and white in their truths. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Things were true or they weren't true. Mm -hmm. um, you had people who were more gradated in what they believed. And, and it did seem to be you know, extreme right, extreme left were very much in these truths. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were just these people keeping their heads down in the middle, thinking about these shades of grey. Um, it seemed to be quite vicious. Hmm. Um, I've not seen... It, it reminded me so much of some of the elections I've seen in developing world countries. Um, in, in what way? What, what are the similarities? The, the, the power imbalances, the, mm -hmm. the, just this enormous amount of being driven by money. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think looking from outside, Citizens United seem to change the operating units of the country from um, you know, every man has a vote, sorry, every person has a vote, say, as a woman, damn it. <laughs> um, right. But this idea of human beings as your your units of power. 
So you all have a piece of power, you, you, you all use that piece of power, two companies being the units of power. So literally, a company can buy people's belief sets. Um, there's been research recently on just how, how little it costs hmm. to, mm -hmm. to buy a, or to sway an election. We're I mean, talking tens of thousands of dollars. And that, that is pretty terrifying. The fake news, um, to me, it's, it's, it's not just fake news. It's about um, disinformation. So this idea of the differences between misinformation, where people will tell you something that isn't necessarily true or is it always a slant on the truth, but they believe it. Uh, they believe it to be true. It, it's not a deliberate intent to deceive you uh, against disinformation. And it, it, I saw a lot more disinformation where people deliberately lied. And they were deliberately lying for money. The Macedonian kids were, were getting money off the election, off people's emotions. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And possibly also you got um, other countries getting involved with th this idea of disinformation. Of So just the sheer emotion that I was seeing, the sheer people in their corners shouting at each other. Mm -hmm. it, it just seemed so hard to heal. Um, I, I, I guess I come from a country where people you know that they'll, they'll stand in, the, in Parliament and shout at each other, but at least they'll go for a beer afterwards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed to well, be that sense. <laughs> yeah. What, what's the difference, do you think, between... Um, it's interesting because, well, let me just step back, I guess. You you worked, I know some of the work you've done with Ushahidi and yeah. others internationally, which if people don't know what that is, it's, a, it's an organization that make elections and, and voting and all that more transparent and democratic and accountable. It sounds to me like what you're describing is that the U.S. elections reminded you that the way we do things here is not actually that different from countries that we would probably traditionally think of as very different from ourselves in, in Africa or, or other parts of the world. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Money-driven dictatorial systems, yes. That's amazing. Yes, I, I, it, looking at it, and it was genuinely, no, a lot of my friends were going, should we stay here? Should we just leave the country now? Uh, it, it really was looking like that sort of choice. And do you think that that's, you mean, so when you say choice, you mean... Um, that both candidates in the in the American election offered a similar, um, n not just because Trump was elected, in other words. Uh, I think Trump being elected, I have a lot of progressive friends. So, mm -hmm. But there were also friends on the other side. It, yeah. was, it was just this very, from pretty much every direction, sense of impending doom. It all yeah. seems to come down to just these big blocks of being able to buy votes. Well, yeah, that's interesting because that's, you know, I think that's a... a criticism of both sides right um you had people like russ feingold and and others who made it their um life's work to try and counter money in politics and um really it's kind of gone backwards if anything um what are what is the difference between u.s democracy at this point and um a country a country in africa that you've worked in uh well let, let's think um Places like Nigeria, uh, mm -hmm. where you have very much the sense of the big man. Mm -hmm. you, know, the, the, it's, you, you don't do anything without going and talking to the local tribal chief. And just the guys at the top are just bigger chiefs. And it's, um, so there's a sense that uh, it's patronage. You, know, you, you, 
you get your people in place, you keep them in place by any means. Um, corruption is, is normal in life. Um, I have a friend who's been fighting corruption in the education system. Just money just disappears on the way to the teachers mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, for years and has been run out of his, his town three times already that I can count. No, threatened with his life threatened, but um, I guess that that is one difference is, is there aren't those overt threats to life, but there yeah. are certainly those that sense of patronage and that sense of with us or against us. Yeah, say um, yeah. it, it, it's, it's concerning for one of the biggest most well-armed and powerful nations to be at that state. What do you think, I mean, not to, not to, not there's any silver bullets, but, but what, what do you see as opportunities to, to either, you know, counter that or, or maybe using, um, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but so I'll just leave it at that. What, what, what do you see as, as signs of, you know, potentially countering this or, um, opportunities that you think progressives can take advantage of? I say, as progressives, your disadvantages are also your advantages. Um, the fact that you're not generally well-funded means that you're you're not beholden, which means that you can take risks. Um, you can experiment. So you can use things like social media, and you can use them in different ways. Um, you can do things physically. I mean, my, my candidate, um, when he was locked out of the main debate, started an outcast debate for all of the candidates who weren't allowed in the building. Mm -hmm. they, they held a debate outside <laughs> the building and got it televised. <laughs> so, that probably so, got more, more attention than, yeah. than otherwise they would have. Yeah, so it, 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 you can get creative. Um, that, that's, that's useful. Um, there's a whole bunch of opportunities, I think, at local levels to start reaching across um, to your, your opposite numbers. Certainly, my candidate worked with his Republican opposite number, and they worked together as as outcasts. Which hmm, interesting. I thought yeah. was yeah, it was really rather wonderful to see. It's like they didn't have the same political direction, but they respected each other as human beings. Uh, and that's a refreshing that, concept. There is that. I, I, I think again. I mean, I used to play rugby, and you would go onto a rugby field, and you would fight. You would fight to win the other side where the enemy was to on the field and you would come off the field and have beer together and i know this having beer together thing is kind of turning to a theme but yeah it's british <laughs> it's, um, i think it's a great it's a great it's actually a theme for me too so this is so very familiar i mean the shooting at the um baseball field the other day the fact that the republicans and democrats were quietly going out playing baseball together it, it's a big opportunity in education of one thing that's happened because things have got so extreme yeah. is a lot of people have just sat up and said, oh, hang on, I didn't even understand how politics worked. Mm -hmm. I didn't mm -hmm. know these things were happening. I, my shit, this thing about the presence? Mm -hmm. All those things you could ignore, all those things that were somebody else's problem, sometimes it suddenly, suddenly become our problem um, for a given value of hours sometimes. But it, there are a lot more engaged people. I'm seeing so many more women. I mean, all looking at the mm -hmm. local candidates coming through for... Congress, a lot of lot more women standing, just going sod it. You know, you guys have had this for too long because we didn't think we could do this. Right, right, yeah, and that's so, exciting to see. Emily, like groups like Emily's List, who have 
you know, thousands and thousands of women who are, who are expressing interest in running for office. Those are big opportunities. Um, and I want to get It's back- also running at different levels. I mean, like, those mm-hmm. people are like, getting out the word to say, look, you know, if there are no choices, just write yourself in. <laughs> it's like if, if the Republicans have taken your town and yeah. there's nobody else on the ballot, you can do these things. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's important to remember. Well, I want to go back to, you were talking about just experimenting and, um, and taking chances, and I know like the the debate example you gave was a good one. Um, are there other things that you think people should be thinking about in terms of you know not maybe trying to play with inside inside the box that exists, or or other ways that people can kind of take risks in the way that you're thinking? I would say the internet is a big opportunity, but um, having spent a chunk of my life trying to get people engaged through the internet, it's it's harder than it looks. Um, but the are a lot of mechanisms for persuasion without the unethical stuff. Unfortunately, being unethical makes your persuasion a lot um, more persuasive, but in the end run, it's, it's, you're not a, not a good human being. Um, right, so right. There, there are mechanisms. So, so for example, Trump's campaign, um, the group Cambridge Analytica, who we're doing the analysis of people's Facebooks responses, um, responses to surveys, and then targeting, very finely targeting those people with different types of news. So that, looking at it and looking at what they used, seemed to be pretty much what you use when you use big data techniques for advertising. So it's basically an adaptation of a, something that already existed. And I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, because, again, as the progressives, you haven't put a lot of money in. You can come back to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, you you can learn. You can learn um, o- over different campaigns. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know, you know, the Cambridge Analytica thing was, it was interesting. And we, we paid a lot, of attention, a lot of attention to that as well. Um, it turns out that they, it didn't actually work as well as, you know, they wanted it to or, or at all. But the yeah. concept is interesting and um, an opportunity for both sides, probably, right, to f- to find people in a more targeted way and persuade people in a more targeted way and that sort of thing. Um, what what do you think was the main lesson from from that Cambridge Analytica sort of debacle or or experiment that you would take for progressives? Well, I, I would at least want the "don't be evil" lesson to go in. Um, you know, yep. If you are, <laughs> yeah. You should not experiment on people without their will. Um, yes, there are things that you can do with advertising. There are ways you can advertise. There are ways you can persuade based on the demographics you know about people. But actively adapting those people is just not good. <laughs> it's, there, there are lines. So one of, the, one of the, the, the lessons you should take is that there are lines. But another lesson is that there, there are all sorts of mathematical models in, in data science that could be applied over to elections, um, mm-hmm. especially if you're working online that could be applied. Uh, for instance, um, if you're looking at um, networks of people online, you can find the people or the things or the communities that dominate those networks. So you can find the places which you would want to put more effort into persuading because you know they can persuade more people themselves. It's, it's spreading activation. Uh, it's, it's called contagion effects. Um, they adapted. This, this idea that instead of just having a one-shot thing, it's out and you're done, 
they, they continually adapted and responded. So we've seen bots that are sitting. I mean, I, I sometimes have, have bots just sitting and getting information, like sitting on a Twitter feed and getting information for me. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen bots that are doing very simple responses. But that idea of being able to mix those in with people and learn, again, you have to be very, very careful of the ethics. Um, there, there'd be some pretty interesting stuff coming out of Russia that's not ethical. <laughs> right, right. But well, there, there, there is that learning. Another thing, of course, is that there is no substitute still. There is no substitute for knocking on doors. That's um, a really good one. You that's can a only good get one. so far. You can only get so far with social media, but you can get yourself to the door. You can yeah. at least get your, your name seen. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's the way I started. Um, my career was knocking on people's doors. I think I learned more on those... <laughs> on those um, campaigns, really talking to people like actual real people who, who lived in states that I, you know, yeah. wasn't from. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. And what um, what else from like from a data perspective? I mean, I think the theme is sort of you can you, you can learn more about people and probably do more um, with the data we, we have and have access to. But what else from your perspective are opportunities? What, what's the bright side of all the scary technology and data out there? Well, we, we also have access to those networks. So now, um, if you're into something that looks fairly esoteric or that you're not sure who else to connect with, you can find them. So um, Bill's campaign, it, again, taking risks, he covered what would be, you know, for a nice safe campaign, risky topics, like the, the legalization of marijuana. So mm-hmm. just creating an industry around marijuana in New Jersey. Because it's it's worth money, because people really shouldn't be going to prison. So there were these discussions of topics that were harder to, to, to address. But um, environment, he, he found a, an original wind farm. Uh, there was a combined alternative energy scheme for the whole East Coast that got blocked by our, our governor. Um, but being able to find both that scheme, what had happened to it, um, who would have been involved, and then finding champions. So I, I ended up at a, actually a physical meetup talking to somebody who turned out to be part of an online group of environmental a- activists who were also okay. aligned. But we, it would have been hard to find that alignment without a, a secondary you know, mechanism, a way of searching. So trying try to think what else. Um, but, but really, it's... It's this idea of, you know, the, the lack of money gives you the ability to experiment. The internet gives you the ability to find. Um, the data science gives you the ability to adjust what you're doing uh, and loop through what you're doing um, within bounds. And it's, it feels almost like um, a country is going through its, its teenage years. You, know, you get about 200 mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. Of, of stability, and then it's like everyone forgets how they got stable in the first place. All hell breaks loose for a while. Um, you know, French Revolution, Industrial Revolution, Chinese Revolution took a little longer. Um, hopefully this isn't going to be a revolution. But, but there's certainly a rediscovery. There seems to be a rediscovery. And it feels like we're at that rediscovery stage. Um, yeah. It's, I'm it's not trying kind of, to be here. <laughs> no, no, I think you're right. I mean, I, to me, it goes back and forth. You know, some days it feels like we're 
sometimes it feels like we're making progress and there's more people engaged than there were before and people are positive and, and excited and then some days it feels like the world's coming to an end so i think it i think it depends on the day a lot of times but the, what you're saying makes total sense um i'm wondering i'm wondering what what you would tell you know communicators who are trying to to do a, a better job of communicating with with their audiences um just from the things you've learned recently, what's what's a tip or two that you would give to people who are communicating on a daily basis at a nonprofit or a foundation or, or something like that? Part of the reason I got into crisis mapping was because at the time, uh, especially in places like Haiti, we were seeing populations affected by disasters and who weren't being listened to when, when people can't turn up to help them. So you had things like Swedo, stuff we don't want. You know, it's like they're having like um, high heel shoes dumped on them. It's like you're in the middle of disaster and you don't need stilettos. Um, but there was also this disconnect between the people who were trying to build policy on a community and above level and the individuals affected. So, so one one thing I say is listen, listen to what people need, trust people. Uh, in what they need. If you and also go grassroots if you can. If you see people who are capable, who are starting to organise, who are already organised. Um, mm-hmm. One of the worst things about the Nepal earthquake, the recent Nepal earthquake, was seeing a little local group who were doing amazing work, incredible work, coordinating, mapping, getting stuff together. They couldn't get funding because nobody from the big funders trusted them. But they did trust the big agencies who went in, took a huge amount of money, and did mm-hmm. a lot less work. So, <laughs> yeah, tr- trust trust your communities, understand your communities, understand what glues people together. Listen yeah. to people you don't agree with, because they're your constituents too. Yeah, that's a really and really even though point. yeah, yeah, I mean, even though they they may vote in the opposite direction, they might yet vote for you and if they don't if you end up making it through you're still responsible for them yeah they're still your constituents yeah even the people who yeah that's something that if a previous guest said which i think is a really important point that the people we're we're fighting for might be against us and we might have be tempted to you know call them names because they don't support the same things we do but those are the people who can benefit from from what we're actually trying to do i think it's really important last question is just from a kind of international perspective you've done a ton of work overseas and in, in, in the international community what what's a, are there any lessons that you that we could learn from the way politics and communications you know is done in other countries um, I think most people think that we are the place to look for for lessons but is are there other lessons that we could learn from the way people do it elsewhere be honest with yourselves about who you are and what you do. Uh, Americans are incredibly good at front, what we call front in England. It's mm. they're very good at, at projecting image that everything's fine, even though all hell's happening behind it. But sometimes you have to look at yourself and you have to look hard at yourself and hard at who you are and what you are. Uh, I mean, just look at something like insidious racism in this country. Mm-hmm. I, it, it is. Just underneath almost everything that happens in this country, there, there is this sense of some people are different because of the color of their skin, because of the history of that color. And it's never really 
I think, been addressed. Uh, there has been no equivalent of truth and reconciliation. And yeah, that's really the longer point. people ignore these things underneath, the longer you ignore things like a growing prison populations, the prison com industrial complex, the fact that people are paid to put more people away, um, the longer these things will stew and will become an enormous problem in the future. That actually already are for the people who are involved. But So yeah. I, I'd say honesty, transparency, a willingness to work with people who don't necessarily agree with, but respect as humans. That's great. That's, so, a, that's a really good thing to remember and <laughs> something that I don't think we do enough. It seems simple, right? But but it actually is It's something we need to keep repeating and reminding ourselves of. Mindfulness is hard. Uh, I mean, just even just being honest with yourself is hard because you open yourself up. You, 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 it's emotion again. You, you risk, but you have to take those risks to become a, a better set of humans. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and that's yeah. the old Hindi me talking, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, that that makes sense. Um, well, Sarah Jane, we could we could talk, I think, for a lot longer, but um, I, th I think we should maybe leave it there. But I think your those points that you make are are really important, and um, thank you for your contributions and for joining us. No, thank you. That that was fun. And how how can people reach you? Um, Twitter, Facebook. Bodacat. B O D A C E A C A T. Awesome. Well, um, Sarah Jane, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Achieve Great Things. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes and give us a review there. Um, shoot us an email at podcast at hadaway.com if you have thoughts, suggestions, comments. Thank you very much for listening. See you next week. He'll achieve these goals the same way he always has bringing us together and reminding us how much we share and how alike we really are. You see, Barack doesn't care where you're from or what your background is or what party, if any, you belong to. See, that's just not how he sees the world. He knows that thread that connects us, our belief in America's promise our commitment to our children's future, he knows that that thread is strong enough to hold us together as one nation, even when we disagree.